when your when your plugin goes, uh, you know, baller style, you'll be uh, you'll be able to buy a couple houses. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> Welcome to the Matt Report, the number one WordPress business podcast. This isn't geek speak. It's about the journey of success and failure as a WordPress entrepreneur. Get ready, you're just an episode away from your next aha experience or big idea. And now your host, Matt. All right, all right, everybody. Got a great episode coming up with Brad Tuznard, the guy who started Delicious Brains, who put out a couple plugins as we're going to learn about more recently the most popular one is a wp migrate pro plugin tremendous plugin to migrate your wordpress database right from one host to another something that is such a simple easy idea but something that's not very easy to solve uh, and he does this effortlessly uh, with this plugin we're going to learn about that more importantly we're going to learn about the failure that he went through to kind of come about this new idea and what that means. We're going to talk about things like why it's important to have good advisors. Um, we're going to talk about how it's an interesting thing that folks are now kind of creating some investment opportunities in developers like Brad. And we're going to learn who invested in Brad later on in the show uh, and what that all meant to him and his business. Uh, MattReport.com, of course, MattReport.com slash subscribe. Join my mailing list. Uh, the only thing I really ask for is, that, hey, if, if you're listening to this on iTunes, can you give me a five-star rating? That would be tremendous. Um, so let's get started with the show. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another awesome episode of The Matt Report. Back with a good friend of mine, Brad Tuznard. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is our second round, full disclosure, because as everyone knows, the epic fail of my MacBook and my epic fail to back up my files uh, in an efficient manner has lost our previous episode. But the good thing is we get to pick up where our hero left off um, and see where, he, where he's been since the, since the last few months ago. Uh, before we get into all the awesome stuff that you do with creating your premium plugin, Brad, tell folks who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, I guess I would say I'm an entrepreneur now because I don't write as much code as I used to, but I used to be a web developer and uh, worked mostly with WordPress and I started a new business uh, this year, in January this year, called Delicious Brains. And uh, I just set that up to sell uh, a new plugin called WP Migrate DB Pro, which allows uh, developers to migrate their database from one WordPress install to another uh, from the dashboard really easily. So takes away a lot of the pain uh, involved in that process. Mm. Was so. it that pain that led you to kind of develop this this idea, or was this something you just kind of just drew up on a whiteboard one day? No. So I, I built the free plugin. So there's a free version of this uh, in 2009 to scratch my own itch. It was, uh, yeah, I was just tired of migrating sites and dealing with all the crap that you have to deal with when you do that. So I wrote this pretty simple plugin that does all the find and replaces. It takes into account serialized data, which is one of the big pain points, uh, and just gives you a data dump, uh, an SQL file that you can import using uh, PHP MyAdmin. Nice. 
and that's that's the free version. It's still out there. It's on uh, Word, WordPress dot uh, org uh, repo, and uh, and so that's like my main uh, sales funnel. That's like where most people discover the pro version, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the same for most people that have a free version of their plugin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh. so that's kind of uh, where I'm at right now. Awesome. Let's get into. Um the marketing side of things. How how did you become? Uh, how did you get to your premium side? What did what clicked to say? You know what? It's time to charge for this plugin. Yeah. So I started with the free plugin, like I said, in two thousand nine, and it kind of was on autopilot. It wasn't doing. You know, I had, didn't wasn't really paying attention. I just put it out there, hoped other people would like it, and it, but it kind of developed a following over time. Just kind of organically people caught wind of it and then uh, I started to realize that people really loved it I just started getting uh, some feedback and so then I decided to put a, a survey in the sidebar of the of the free plugin to ask you know would you be willing to pay for these extra features and I listed the features and then if they said yes then it would drop down and then ask them how much they would be willing to pay uh, and then you know, they would submit that. And I, I collected, oh, an email address, of course. Uh, I collected that as well. And I collected about uh, 200 email addresses from that form alone. Hmm. And everyone was super pumped about a pro version. And uh, I think the average price was $29 that people were willing to pay. Is That's what they said, anyway. And uh, so that was my initial list, uh, about 200, nice. 200 emails. Yeah. A couple of questions on that front. Um, were you able, just so folks who maybe aren't used to the WordPress repo yet, especially developing and uploading to the WordPress repo, were you able to put those fields in there right in the plugin, or did you have to kind of shoot them off to another site? In other words, did, did WordPress allow you to put that collection in there? Yeah, so the form was was embedded in the plugin, like the 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 HTML for the form, but when you post it, it would post to my site, and I would collect the data. So that's pretty much how that worked. Awesome. Uh, which I'm pretty sure is well within the guidelines of the WordPress.org repo. Yes. Um, let's talk about that pricing structure. You say most folks were willing to pay that that twenty nine thirty bucks uh, on average. I think when we spoke last time, you had a pretty good size range of what people were willing to pay how did you narrow down and what were your lows and what were the low and the highs in that in that range yeah there's a lot of uh discussion going on about sustainability and pricing right now in the wordpress world (laughs) yeah uh and i i actually i think i actually failed on this one (laughs) i i I guess I did and I didn't. Like when you first launch something, you're kind of timid about overpricing it, right? Because you you want people to at least try it and get it, right? Uh, so, but I I think I did set it quite low. I set I set the personal edition at nineteen dollars, and the business I believe I had set to thirty nine, and then pro at ninety nine. I've since upped my pricing on the personal by $20 and the business by $10. And I've left the developer edition alone for now. Uh, but uh, the plan is 
to add some new features. And at that time, I'm going to restructure the pricing and uh, make it more sustainable. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people writing about how you can make your pricing sustainable uh, and, you know, do the calculations, do the math. Right now, uh, a developer license is $99 and it's a yearly subscription. Mm-hmm. So that's $5 a month. Right. Right. Which is extremely low, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, so if someone takes an hour of our time for support, for instance, uh, you know, that's pretty much profits are gone pretty yeah. much. Right. Yeah. So it's important to know how to, you know, make your uh, pricing sustainable. I think uh, I what I did, I looked at Gravity Forms uh, and. I think at this point, uh, Carl's probably going to kill me for saying this, but <laughs> I think their pricing could be uh, increased. The value that Gravity Forms provides, I think, is well in excess of what you pay for it. So, I don't um, think he's going to kill you. I think he's going to give you a high five because I'd imagine he'd be the one, if, 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 out of anybody, he would be the one that would probably raise a premium plug into a, a ridiculous amount of money that we've never seen before. I don't mean ridiculous and like you shouldn't charge for it, but I think it'll be right. that culture shock of folks, just like we've seen with WooCommerce um, and right. WooThemes in this recent uh, last few weeks since you and I last talked. Um, right. Before we talk into the about that or get into that, when you saw your pricing, was it just a uh, uh, you just averaged what the people sent to you, and they just an average was thirty or twenty nine bucks, and you just said, okay, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, so the the twenty nine dollars, I I kind of just use that as a reference point, kind of because some people said you know hundred dollars, some people said two hundred dollars, other people said uh, you know a dollar, <laughs> you know something ridiculous. So yeah, they're all over the map. You know, I think people, I think consumers are a bit confused because you have the Apple App Store prices, right? So they're looking at that software and they think you know why is another software ninety nine cents and so I think that, that that is making things a lot more confusing. Yeah, uh, and, and those people are also looking at us going, why can't you build me a site for 99 cents? You know, why <laughs> right. can't you build me Facebook for 99 cents? It's not going to take yeah. that long. Um, and you're right. I, I, I think that uh, on the scale of 99 bucks a month, let's say if you were, I mean, excuse me, at 99 bucks a year, I think if you were like a, uh, like a SEO Moz or now Moz, or like a Raven Tools where um, you just had a critical mass of people, that 99 bucks a year is a good chunk of change. Um, but when you're folks like you and I and, and maybe have only a few thousand customers, it doesn't scale or it's not sustainable over the course of time, add more features. And more recently, I've seen you ask um, to bring another developer onto the team. Yeah, How's that going? And... Um, why are you adding somebody else to inform the audience? Right. So I spend a lot of my time right now uh, reviewing uh, commits, code commits, and uh, just providing uh, feedback to the developer I have working full-time, uh, Chris Apri. And because uh, I, I think, you know, code review is super important, especially with a plugin like this. I think every line of code should be scrutinized uh, with a plugin like this, so uh, 
I, I want to free up my time <laughs> to work on other things and to focus on strategy and marketing and other things. Um, so if I can hire someone to take that sm- small role of, of uh, you know, reviewing commits and suggesting improvements to the code here and there and that kind of thing, uh, just, you know, and it's a small chunk of time, small chunk of their time at other week. I'm only asking for uh, five hours a, a week. Uh, so about 90 minutes a day, uh, four days a week is what I'm looking for. So, yeah, just trying to free up my time. I, I watched a microconf talk about, you know, how founders have to free up their time. And uh, it was like, I just started, as I was listening to the, the, the talk, I was thinking, oh, geez, well, I could do that. Oh, I, I could free up that time. Like, you know, you just start picking out, oh, you know, all these things that you could totally offload on other people that you don't need to be doing yourself. So I think that's a common problem for founders that you, you start focusing on the business so much and you're just doing the same tasks you've been doing. You don't, you don't have time to stop and think, should I really be doing this task? Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to get into uh, after that, after those remarks. The first one is I will tackle this one first. <laughs> the microconf stuff, um, I don't want to put them, in, as I follow uh, uh, Mike and Rob, um, their show, their podcast, and all that stuff. I've never been to a microconf. I'd love to get to one. But what I find in that space, uh, in a lot of these internet marketing slash internet strategy podcasts, is a, oh, yeah, just go and hire somebody, pennies on the dollar, free up your time. Uh, hire an outsource a developer, you know, interview a whole bunch from all over the world and just pick the one that, you know, can maybe solve a few preliminary questions. Is that the, can that still be the case with WordPress development? Is there a, should there WordPress developers be held to a higher standard when you're outsourcing uh, in that scenario? Um, and I say this only because I feel like these, these types of shows kind of put WordPress in a small light. Like, it's just WordPress. Yeah, you can hire anybody. You know, yeah, your thoughts. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I think you have to be careful about who you hire. I mean, you don't want, you know, I've gotten quite a few applications now, and, and I'm looking for someone with a sim- similar level of coding experience with, Word, with WordPress specifically as I have. Um, you know, I get some requests from people that say, oh, I'm really good at PHP. I've got this many years of PHP. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but, you know, you have to learn the framework that is WordPress, and it's there's a bit of a learning curve. And, and what you end up seeing from people that aren't used to doing it the WordPress way is they do it the not the WordPress way. And uh, I was just reading something an hour ago. Uh, one of someone was saying, "Oh, it was an article," and uh, one of the one of the big faux pas of plugin development is is using curl uh, directly rather than using the WordPress API functions that wrap around curl, right? And so if you're not, you, if you don't know that, if that's something, you know, you would just use curl directly. So that's just a small example of the kind of stuff that you need to, you need to know and get up to speed on if you're going to get into WordPress development. Yeah. Now, the interesting dilemma comes in when the programmer slash developer slash WordPress guy becomes the founder. What is it like for you 
having that the background of development, WordPress development, valuing your hourly rate and, and time, and then transitioning to that founder and maybe speaking to somebody who's a really good programmer just like you, and then he's, he or she says, well, I'm 150 bucks an hour. <laughs> how do you now, how do you pull yourself out of that? Well, I remember what it was like to be a developer and say, my time is worth X. Yeah. Now I'm a founder and I have to make the business work. How do you right. feel? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's really what you can afford to pay, I guess, you know, like if someone says 150 bucks an hour and you, you can't afford, you know, more than 100, then you can't afford that person, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like, but, but maybe, maybe you should try hiring them for less hours. Maybe, maybe the hours you think that it's going to take them, maybe because they're more experienced and better, maybe it'll take them less time to do things. Um, so you, you have to balance that as well. Uh, you know, less experienced developers will take uh, longer in general, or they'll make more mistakes, which end up taking longer anyway. So, mm. so uh, yeah, I, I think it's a balance. Like, if if someone's truly worth one hundred fifty dollars an hour, then you should be able to get that out of them, right? Mm. So, are you using any kind of uh, hiring? process systems tactics that maybe you were exposed to when when you were applying for development jobs are you kind of twisting flipping the script a little bit um, or are you just talking to people and seeing how they how they interact right I was kind of lucky in my freelancing because I I used to work in an agency and most of my work just came from connections that I had at that agency mm -hmm. so I didn't do a whole lot of marketing or uh, seeking out work, it just kind of came to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yes. Yeah, so, so one of the techniques I'm using right now is something I, that was mentioned in the MicroConf talk that I saw, and it's uh, making them submit a form with specific pointed questions that you want to know the answers to, rather than just saying, "Here's a job," uh, you know, submit your resume. Resume should be a field in the form uh, that they enter a URL into. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, if they say well, there's no upload form, then you know that that candidate is not for you. <laughs> if there's no <laughs> upload field for their resume, you, sometimes you get that. That's, that's, a good, that's a good little trick. If they can't solve the problem of getting you their resume in a URL, then they're probably not the right candidate <laughs> yeah. for the job. And I'm so glad you said that because my what I was going to lead into was how could a non-technical founder um, uh, ask for to hire a developer, but then also vet them a little bit more without kind of that technical knowledge? That's a great little trick. You don't have to be technical to do that. You just have to be competent <laughs> and just say, yeah. "Where's the upload button?" Um, yep, and and, and do little things. Another like couple things is uh, you know make sure you ask for their GitHub account. Uh, make sure you ask if it's WordPress. Make sure you ask for their WordPress profile. If those are things that are you go to, you know, you go to their profile and it's empty. Um, you know, they may still be a great developer and just haven't shared their code yet. Mm. But obviously, if they have a nice full profile, lots of activity on GitHub. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's a, it's definitely a plus, a plus one, right? Yeah. In those two columns. Tremendous. 
When we talked last time, uh, you shared a little story about launching the product on day one. Uh, you were able to collect those 200 emails. How did, that, how did the launch go? And, and sort of give folks sort of a quick uh, how-to and how you did that launch um, to become so successful. Yeah, so I, I managed to uh, collect an additional uh, 100 emails through, uh, I think it was just Twitter campaigning. Uh, so like when WordCamps were on, I, I made a la- landing page for WordCamp Miami and collected a few email addresses that way. And uh, after I knew that I was building the plugin, I replaced the form in the plugin with just a subscribe form to get people to people that were interested when the plugin launched uh, to submit their email. And so anyway, I ended up with 300 when I launched and I really spent a lot of time crafting the email like <laughs> to these people and uh, just to make it look like it was from me because they, you know, if they're using the free plugin, I made it very clear that I was the developer. I had a, like a headshot and in the sidebar and stuff that it was, you know, developed and maintained by me. And so, uh, you know, the email had the same thing. It had a little headshot of me and my name and, you know, developer of WP Migrate DB. So it was kind of like tying the email together with what they've already seen in the free plugin to, you know, to, to make it um, obvious that these two things are connected. And then just making the email very short, have one URL in it and very concise and personal. So I, you know, you know, I, I like to start emails with just a heads up or, you know, things that you would say to, you know, someone, if I was just emailing you on a whim, like check out this article or whatever, that kind of thing. I like to keep emails like that, keep them really short. Um, and that's how I do my email marketing. I don't, I don't spend a ton of time laying out an email with images and mm. yeah. How many times, like if you're sending an email to me, how often is it that you're going to embed images and like design the email? Right. right. Never. <laughs> you did spend a lot of time though, kind of crafting the message in the beginning. I did. Right. Um, I think when we spoke last time, it was like over an hour, right. To craft that oh, yeah. first few sentences that you send out just to get it right. Um, yeah. So that that's super important too that that you do spend time on the message, but to heck with all the other crap around it because you just want them to see the message. Yeah, I, I don't know though. Like, <laughs> I probably would have been better off just writing it and just keeping the first thing I wrote because you know it's one of those things. Like, the more you tweak it, the less authentic it becomes. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah. So. I ended up probably going full circle and ended up with something that was very close to what I had the first the first draft. You know, you bring up two interesting things. Uh, you bring up the entrepreneur's mindset of like either con- like not being able to let something go. Like as much as we know we have to ship something, we don't do it because we're always like trying to refine it and get better at it. That's one thing. The second thing is I think that when you have a product like yours or at least at the in the version that it is in now, it's really meant for folks like you and I because we know what it's like to migrate websites, right? So the person who just installs WordPress isn't probably looking for migrate WP Migrate right now. Eventually they will. But right now it's like folks like you and, my, you and me. So how do we market to people like you and I? We do these tactics, right? But then at the same time, folks like you and I are also learning these tactics. Right. And when we see these emails, we're like, I know what he's doing. 
he is <laughs> trying to market to me. Um, so it's always just an interesting thing when you kind of like follow the folks at MicroConf and follow these internet strategists, and then you go and do it to yourself, but you're marketing to yourself <laughs> at the same time. It's like this yeah. weird matrix thing going on. Um, and now I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm just like, I'm not going to spend time doing it anymore. If you want my stuff, you're, you'll, you'll click it, right? Uh, and if you don't want it, you'll just unsubscribe. So just interesting dilemma. Yeah. I, I've had a pretty good um, reply rate with my emails, like people just replying saying, oh, thanks. Like, like they really believe that I only sent this to them, you know, and that's, that's the way I want it to come off. Um, even though it isn't, but if they reply, you know, that's great. I'll reply back to them and then it's a conversation. That's why I make the emails personal and directly to them so that, you know, it starts a conversation and maybe I can learn something. Maybe something uh, is irking them about the plugin or maybe, maybe something we're doing great that I need that's valuable to know. So the, uh, are you using MailChimp to send out your emails or do you use another platform? No, I'm using campaign monitor. One thing I should mention I did, I spent a ton of time, probably too much, uh, (laughs) is that when I first launched, I went through all the email addresses I had, and I tried to find out what the people's first name was so that I could say in my email, hi, first name. I thought that was really important and that I got their first name. Because if you just say hi, and it's automatically less personal and more generic. Uh, So I spent quite a bit of time. I was doing crazy things like looking up the email address's um, gravatar. Like I was MD5-ing it to get their gravatar uh, profile. That's crazy. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I was doing... I was just Google searching and yeah, just trying to find, you know, what their first name was so that I could really speak to them directly. So I think that's important. Yeah. That, uh, that's a cool little, little insight to that. Let's talk about, uh, the business of an entrepreneur and why it's a little bit different than maybe what you're used to. Uh, when we spoke last time, uh, you had mentioned that, uh, sort of the founders of, Wu and the founders of Gravity kind of helped you start this little bit of seed funding, a little bit of backing. I thought it was an amazing story. Uh, how has this outside, uh, how have these angel investors helped you? Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they, they have a ton of experience, you know, in the WordPress space specifically, uh, but just in general as well, just doing business. I mean, Wu Teams is a, a huge business. And uh, yeah, Adi uh, Pionar of Themes, one of the founders of Themes, uh, is one of the one of the guys, and Carl Hancock at Rocket Genius slash Gravity Forms uh, was the other guy that, who was helping me out. And they were just providing whenever I'd have a question uh, or was unsure of the decision I was making, uh, I would just send them an email, and they were phenomenal to get back to me, like instant instantly get back to me. Um, so I think that's really important if you're a, an entrepreneur uh, working in isolation by yourself to have someone, it, you know, they don't have to be an investor, they, they don't have to be, they, they just need to be an advisor, just someone that you respect and uh, can, you know, look to for advice. Mm. Uh, 
And so, yeah, I, I think that was huge for me because there's there's so much doubt when when you're launching something new. Uh, so to have someone to bounce things off of is is essential. You, you can't do without it, really. You'd go crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I believe you. This is an interesting space. This is something that I hope to see more of in the WordPress ecosystem are folks like you who have a great idea, who want to seek out advisors or seek out some kind of uh, seed funding, angel, angel funding for, your, for their project. Um, what was that like? Did you, did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? How did that all go down? Yeah, good question. Uh, so I was talking to Brian Castle uh, on just instant messenger one day and uh he mentioned that 80 uh was always interested in talking about projects with you know first time entrepreneurs and uh and I went to his site and he had this page that was specifically geared to that and so I you know submitted the form kind of half thinking I'd never hear from him <laughs> cuz he's a busy guy right uh but he was interested to hear more about uh my idea and uh and so from there, uh, he just started advising me, and uh, then he brought Carl into the mix because he was interested as well. Uh, and I should say, we're, we're I'm talking about WP App Store at this point. This is when I was first launching WP App Store, uh, and that was the idea that I had. And uh, and so that you know we, we went through that, and uh, yeah, and we kept going. Uh, I built a prototype uh, in a couple months, I guess, and they were really pumped about it at that point. And they're like, uh, "Okay, let's let's get in on this." <laughs> so they, they became investors mm-hmm. at that point, and uh, we started, uh, you know, refining it and getting it ready to launch and getting all the uh, vendors on board uh, with their products mm-hmm. and stuff. That was a uh, chapter that we mistakenly skipped in the beginning. Um, <laughs> let's right. talk about that real quick. Sure. Uh, um, when we spoke last time about that, there was a story of kind of uh, failure to to launch it in the way you had hoped. Um, there were some challenges in that. Um, let's talk about what it was as a product and the challenge that it was to really get it out there. Right. So the... Yeah, so WP App Store is uh, basically a collection of products from different vendors. So you've got WooThemes, you've got Press75, you've got a bunch of different theme companies in there, and also you know different plugin companies selling their plugins. That was the idea, bring them all together. But the other big part of this was to get the purchasing and the browsing of the store and everything built right into WordPress, right into the dashboard, just like... Uh, I, I, uh, iTunes, right? Uh, we we're just basically following their model. So uh, the problem there, though, is that uh, they have to install a plugin, the WP App Store plugin, to browse the store and to buy a plugin. So you can imagine, say, uh, you want to buy a plugin. To have to install another plugin, even though it's free, just just the hassle of having to install it uh, is is a huge barrier to purchasing. Uh, and what we found is that people didn't even understand that they didn't really understand why they had to do that. <laughs> so 
so that was a huge thing. So, uh, and at, when we launched, we didn't even have a product catalog at all on the public website. So you couldn't even you couldn't do anything without downloading, installing a plugin. Uh, and that was sort of by design because we we didn't want we wanted people to install the plugin. So if they were interested and curious, we wanted them to have to install a plugin to, to go any further. And I think that did encourage more people to install it. Uh, but they still didn't really see the value in purchasing directly from us. Uh, they decided most people was were fine just going right to the vendor, you know, and and installing or mm. buying and installing from there. Yeah. So the value of you know one click buy and install uh, just wasn't enough for people. They, they were they were happier just to go directly to the vendor and cut out the middleman. So. I think that's a big problem with marketplaces that are selling products that are not exclusive. So, so products that are also available elsewhere, direct or directly from from a vendor. Uh, people just they don't understand why they would go through a middleman if they didn't have to, right? Mm. What uh, were there any visions of of the app store, if you will, to uh, like offer discounts for for using the plugin? Um, membership pricing where you could get like unlimited plugins every month, that kind of thing. Um, was that just not advertised well enough or marketed well enough? Or was it just the, the barrier of saying, hey, look, I got to install this and I might as well just go directly? Right. A lot of our, a lot of the people, so I did a bit of customer development just talking to potential customers and a lot of people said that either they already bought the plugin they already have like an unlimited license for the plugins that are available or they uh they prefer to buy directly from the vendor rather than through a middleman um i think i think there was a bit of a failure on my part to not communicate well the benefits of wp app store uh for instance, having all your licenses and all your purchases in one place rather than having to go to each vendor to get them. I think that probably could have been communicated a little bit better. Um, and also the the fact that if you bought through WP App Store, you did get an account at the vendor. So there was really no difference. It was just an added benefit if you bought through WP App Store. That probably could have been communicated a bit better. Um, but I don't think those would have been huge. Would, I don't think they would have had a huge impact. Mm. I don't think they would have made a huge difference. Mm. Uh, I think the other problems were far outweigh uh, that that small, you know, tweak. Mm. So, so you you kind of put this idea together. Did you formulate like business plan and sliders and projected income, and then went to these guys and said, "Look at what we can grow this business to," or did you just throw out the idea and say, "Will you help us?" Sorry, to who? Uh, to uh, your advisors. Oh, right. So uh, when I presented the idea, I mean, they they had more experience in this space than I did. So they could really see the value in it and the uh, the potential of it. Um, one, I mean, some of the strategies that we had didn't pan out. That was another big part of, of why it never took off. Uh, we were planning to integrate with web hosting companies so that when you would first install WordPress, the first thing to come up would be, you know, choose your choose your uh, theme and, and, you know, here's some plugins you could buy to extend WordPress, right? 
Um, and so that didn't pan out. Web hosting companies were a bit resistant. They, some of them were really interested in the beginning, and it just kind of fizzled out, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and uh, another strategy, we were going to embed the WP App Store installer directly into uh, Woo themes, themes and uh, Gravity Forms as well. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't really uh, think that through to the f- like as well as we should have. Uh, and some people were a bit offended. They thought that it was spot like spyware or spamware that was I- being injected into their WordPress because it wasn't clear where it was coming from. Hmm. Um, in retrospect, we really should have put WP App Store underneath the WooThemes menu rather than in the top level menu. Mm. So, so just a kind of small thing that that you know set people off. They're like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Yeah. So it was a lot of little lessons learned like that for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure all that has kind of transferred over to to the, the uh, Delicious Brains uh, brand and the new uh, product. Um, what was that conversation like? Was it just, okay, time to pivot and move into something else? Were you already building? Well, you already had the free plugin out there, but how did that transition over to say, okay, put that on the back burner. Let's focus on this. Yeah. I mean, the sales of, uh, on WP App Store were basically non-existent. Uh, so at that point, you know, at a certain point, I can't remember when, it was probably November last year, um, like I said, we started Delicious Brains. We started development actually in the beginning of December, and we pretty much shut down development on WP App Store uh, on, in November. Although we have made a few tweaks trying to uh, revive it and trying to maybe uh, turn it into uh, you know a, a traditional marketplace, a more traditional marketplace, uh, and that's still an ongoing process. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean that. Basically, at a certain point, you say, "Okay, well, we're making no money, <laughs> and we're we're still investing in development. You know, we something's got to give here. So let's pivot. What is what? You know, AD asked me what what are some other things that uh, some other ideas that you you could pivot to? And I said, "Well, I have this pre- free plugin that a lot of people are passionate about. What do you think about doing a pro version of this?" And he thought it was a good idea, so we gave it a shot. Nice. And it's panning out. So nice. Uh, super important that the. So that, that's a great story to the fact that maybe some people would get afraid. Like, uh, they, you know, I really don't know this guy, Brad. We gave him a chance. It didn't really pan out. Sorry, buddy. Runway's done. Um, yeah. But they, they see the potential in you and they see the passion uh, that you have. To, to build a great product and then to see a product that people are also passionate about. Um, so that's a tremendous, that's a tremendous story that, that they still had faith in you. Right. Um, right. I think that's the key. I mean, they invested in me. They didn't invest necessarily in the idea of WP app store. They invested in the execution of it. Uh, and I still feel like I did a pretty good job executing that idea and that it was mostly just not either not the right timing. Maybe that maybe the same idea will work in two years' time, right? We don't know. Uh, maybe people just weren't ready for it yet. Um, maybe maybe there were a few things I could have changed, but ultimately, I think I executed on it pretty well. 
Um, and then with, you know, since they invested in me after that idea and that execution didn't end up being a profitable, sustainable business, you know, what can we do that will be, you know, like let's, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> let's build something. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, the sustainability and back to that, is that your biggest challenge right now as an entrepreneur, as a founder is to look at where will this business be in a year and how can we get there? Um, are you kind of giving up on saying, here's the features I want and letting your team kind of figure that out and you're looking at the big picture or are you still involved with doing the feature stuff and figuring out the pricing, stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm still involved in all of it. Um, it's, it's taking up, I'd say most of my day, time day to day is, is working on, on Delicious Brains, uh, WP Migrate DB Pro. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, the big thing there is to um, – sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> sorry, it was a long two-part thing. So what is your biggest challenge right now? Uh, is it the pricing and, <clears throat> and looking at sustainability, or is it growing the product and figuring out what the next features are? Right. I think it's both. I think um, – I think, yeah, sustainability is a big, so I think it's a balance. I have to grow the product, keep growing sales, but I also have to add value to the product so that increasing my prices won't seem like a cash grab to my current customers, right? If I add value, if I save them more time, then they should, you know, they shouldn't have a big problem with paying a little bit extra, right? Um, so the one thing that we're working on right now is uh, a media files add-on for the developer edition. So you'll be able to migrate your database, but just before that happens, you can check off a box that says, I want to sync my media files between the installs as well, because a lot of people uh, have been been requesting that mm -hmm. from us, and they think it's a, it would be a really great time saver for them if they didn't have to go to their FTP program or SSH or whatever they're using uh, to, to copy those files over. Mm. And we're going to do it intelligently. We're going to decide or we're going to determine like what's changed, like so what new files have been added, which ones are the same, let's ignore those, that kind of thing. So if you have like five gigs of media files, uh, you know, and only a few things changed, we don't have to sync the entire five gigs every time, right? We're just We're just syncing the changes. So. Right. If you could wipe the slate clean on pricing, what would, yeah. you, what would you relaunch with as far as price? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'd probably start with the personal edition a bit higher. I'd probably start it at 49 instead of 19 which is you know, $30, considerable, considerably more. And I'd probably make the developer edition 150, so well 149, mm -hmm. uh, something like that. So, and I'd probably not go unlimited. Um, it's not really sustainable to say unlimited. Uh, I believe I have several uh, several instances of teams of developers using one license. So uh, I think if I had of limited the number of sites to you know a fixed number i think i would have mitigated that problem potentially yeah so uh 
lessons learned from from all this uh, over the last eight nine months now um, would it be that you would add more value or at least tell a better story for the personal license so that they could see all that value for the 50 bucks or would it be like it's really not any of the value of the support it's really the features that these people are looking for how could you just add more value to bump up that price right out of the gate I think what you need to get over is that you're going to end up with less customers with higher prices. You know, if you raise your prices, if you have higher prices, you're going to end up with less customers. But that's not a bad thing. You're charging more so you can afford to have fewer customers. And your support costs, because you're supporting less people, your support costs go down. So your profitability is higher. So I think that's where people get hung up is that they think, oh, we're not going to have as many sales. But Sales don't mean anything. It's profitability that matters. Um, so I think, I think that's the point. Like you should, you should set your prices according to the value that you're providing, and not worry so much about how many sales you're going to get. I you can't, you can't look at like the iTunes model for for, for software like this. It just does, doesn't work. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, that's been a tremendous uh, story, uh, tremendous uh, insight to what you're doing uh, with your brand, how you're running the business. So uh, that'll end the more formal interview. We'll hop into the last two segments. Um, first segment, what's in your toolbox? What unique app or, or, or thing are you using day to day that people might not know about um, that helps you run your business? Uh, I'd say... Sublime text. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in there. Yep. Spend a lot of time with GitHub. Um, yeah, I love GitHub. And uh, yeah, I'd say those two. Which extensions are you using in Sublime? Because I just started using it from after using Coda. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of good extensions. Yeah. Um, I'm actually using Sublime Text three at oh, the okay. moment, the, the beta, and. Uh, it requires less, or I'm not using as many extensions with it because it's it already takes care of a few things out of the box. Um, but I'd say probably the biggest one for WordPress development to get is the PHP Tidy or Tidy PHP. Yeah, uh, and you just you know you run this thing against a file and it just puts all your code in WordPress format. So. You know, like spaces around parentheses and, and that kind of thing. So, so if you <laughs> if you end up with a file that's like one of your old files that that is not following the coding style, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, then you can just hit a button and it just does the whole file for you. Nice. Um, so, I I found that Very that cool. one particularly handy. Very cool. Let's jump into the lightning round. Ask you a series of quick questions. You'll have a series of quick answers. The one plugin you cannot live without, besides from your own, or besides your own. Discuss. A favorite WordPress or business book. Blue Ocean Strategy. A quote that you live or run your business by. Uh, Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very good at these. (laughs) Uh, What's the best uh, business or career advice you've ever received? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, pass. (laughs) (laughs) What's the longest a client project has ever taken? 
Um, I think I, I eight months probably. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, if you had to switch to another CMS, what would it be? Probably Silver Stripe. I did quite a bit of work with Silver Stripe, and it was uh, it was pretty good. Cool. Um, who should I interview next? Uh, interview Jason Schuller, Press seventy five. And what's the one question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Uh, why do I work on so many things? <laughs> <laughs> why are you such crazed entrepreneur like the rest of us yeah I guess. maybe that's what it is it's just in you our do, dna maybe are you, are you doing anything to try to cut back on that i just it's just one of those things that you learn with time that you, you get yourselves you get yourself into this these unfortunate positions where your your time is so limited your head's gonna fall off or something i don't know <laughs> it, and it's <clears throat> You just learn to stop doing that, right? The more you do it, it's just like, okay, why am I doing this? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd say, <clears throat> I'd say, yeah, just uh, experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I when I get into those zones where you're sitting down <clears throat> and you're thinking about all these different things, and you got your to do list open, and like I throw like everything I know I don't want to touch for a long, long time, I put into Evernote, and I just let it, I just throw it in there. Someday I'm yeah. gonna go back to that, but then I have this. <laughs> to-do list of like, I think I might want to get to this in the next couple weeks to a month. So I put it in this other to-do list and that one's like 75 to-dos long. And I'm like, every time I see it, I'm like, oh God, I don't want to go through it. I don't even want to spend the time to filter it. Um, so it's tough. It's definitely a tough uh, situation we put ourselves in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think every, every entrepreneur seems to have a similar story. So I think it's just comes with the territory maybe. Yeah. Uh, Brad, it's been an awesome interview. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for sharing your side of the story. Uh, where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Bradt.ca is my website, my blog. Uh, and then you can get me on Twitter at Brad T. And, and then deliciousbrains.com, of course. Sweet. Yep. How far away are we from uh, some of the new media enhancements? Uh, we're just starting on those, and I'm not sure how long it's going to take. It's going to be some pretty good challenges that we have to tackle there. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping three months. So, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Christmas present for everybody. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome. All right, Brad. Thanks a lot. Everybody go check out his plugins. Check out Delicious Brains. It's awesome stuff. I've used it. We use it. It's great, great plugin. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thanks. And that's another Matt Report in the can. I hope you enjoyed that with Brad Tuznar. He's got an awesome product, has an awesome story. Go out into the web, say thanks to Brad. MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list one more time. If you can give me a five-star rating on iTunes, that would be tremendous. This is Joranari by Abduday. See you next time.
Hace más parte, ¿no?